welcome to another episode of Half Hour with Astra Theater Company. I, you guys, I'm here with a great guest today, one of my dear pals and a really awesome theater artist, uh, current New Yorker, um, all of the above, very cool guy, the one and only Anthony Fortino. Hey guys, what's up? What's, what's up? up, Anthony? How you doing? Good, man. How are you? Not bad. You know, I am, uh, I'm, I'm living the life. I'm living my life like it's golden, if you will. I love it. Yeah. Um, what have you been up to? I've been up to a lot of staying inside um, here in New York City, my apartment with my wife, Katie. And we are, we're just here. I'm working from home. So we're enjoying it. Luckily, we have a little outdoor space at our apartment, which is a blessing here in New York City. So I get mm. to like pop out. It's cold. It's like 30 degrees, but it's, uh, it's all right. So I take, you know, we take little walks outside and stuff and enjoy some fresh air and working from home. And that's, that's basically it. We were just yeah. talking to other pre-recording. You were talking about, you know, Netflix shows and stuff. So that, that is really it. That and working. So. Yeah. A lot of Netflix going on in these quarantine yeah. days for sure. What's, uh, what's New York like right now? Would you say? Uh, it's interesting. It's really interesting. In the fall, I would say last fall, I don't know if you're here at all in the fall, but in the fall, I actually loved it. There was a decent number of people out and about, but when the weather, as if anyone who's been in New York or lives here in the fall, it's amazing. Uh, the weather, weather-wise, the trees, the scenery. So I was doing a lot of running in the fall. So I was running in the park. We live close to Central Park. So okay. We were He's an athlete. <laughs> I was, I'm an athlete. Um, <laughs> not really. I'm terrible at running, actually. Uh, <laughs> but it was just a way to get some exercise and to get out. So I, it was awesome. And there was a decent number of people here, but it wasn't, it was like only people that lived here, right? People that were choosing to mm. be here and said, New York's my home. I'm going to be here. So no tourists. So the park was like moderately full to where you could keep a safe space from everyone, but you could still like enjoy it without running into tourists or running around people with cameras. So I loved it. Now it feels pretty dead. It feels pretty dead walking the streets and really? stuff. There's no, because so many of the outdoor dining places can't do outdoor dining because it's cold and some are trying, but it's not very full. So yeah. it feels definitely the most quiet it's felt this whole time. So, which is sad. That some is sad. of my friends from the city have sent me photos of outdoor dining pavilions that I can only describe as. Uh, like dining. some yeah, yeah as indoor dining yes and i'm like what is good i mean there's full like heaters they have probably an hvac system there's plants and string lights i'm like what the only thing is that it's not technically attached to the in the actual indoor dining we've seen we've seen a decent number of those where they've like built out from the front of the restaurant like full walls extending out and then you're like in it's you're basically inside but then there's fresh air flowing through uh, and then there's other ones where, you know, you're still like out on the sidewalk and they've hung a little like heat light above you, essentially, wow. which, you know, if it's 40 degrees in the sunshine, you can do that. But, you know, if it's like 25 at night. Hell no. No. Yeah. And there's <laughs> and no and everyone feels the same way as me. Right. It's like you don't see, those are just empty. Yeah. So I feel that conflicted about it because i mean I, i've worked in a restaurant for a while in new york and obviously like restaurants really are such a huge part of the culture i mean in, in all cities too and so i feel bad because i i do like want them to find a way to supplement their income but then there comes a, a line where i'm like okay but this is just like an incubator space for covid you know what i mean 
Yeah, you have like heat lamps and they're putting up plexiglass all around you. So there's less airflow than like a normal window. <laughs> they're putting up saran wrap. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I don't know. That's interesting. But man, I, I wish them all the best. That's, that's really crazy. Yeah. Um, well, Anthony, let's get to know you a little bit. So you were born and then what happened? Where are you from? Where'd you go to school? And, and when did you start um, getting involved in the arts? I'm from Overland Park, Kansas, so the Kansas City area, and I got involved in the arts actually through, um, if anyone out there is familiar with barbershop, so I sang barbershop. My dad sang in a barbershop quartet, so I grew up hearing four-part harmony, uh, and then I started singing in the barbershop chorus in Kansas City when I was seven years old, and so that was my first experience to the stage. I started singing in this barbershop chorus with all of these like 60 and 70 year old men uh, who were like my, you know, my 30 grandpas or whatever. They're like, uh, we need that, a tenor, come awesome. on. Yeah, it was, no, my damn, my tenor voice. Uh, it was awesome though, because they truly, I, it, it helped me mature in a lot of ways too, because I had to, I'm around all of these much older people from a very young age. And then I also learned how to hear harmonies. I learned how to read music that way. I learned what it meant to be on stage and have like stage presence and stage decorum and follow a director and all of those things from a very young age. So I did that through high school. Uh, I never really did theater until high school and I sort of happened into it. I, was, uh, I wasn't, wasn't actually an athlete, but I was a sports kid growing up. I was into sports. And so mm -hmm. I missed the soccer trials my freshman year because they were in the summer. I was the oldest kid. So my mom missed signing me up. Uh, so I went and I auditioned for the musical instead. Uh, the musical was my favorite year. Uh, and I got cast in the lead role because the lead role is like a, you know, this young guy who's like this young bright eyed guy. So it happened to work out that I was a freshman, this young kid, and I was terrible at acting. But because I've been <laughs> singing my whole life, I was one of the few, you know, like guys, we weren't a super heavy arts high school at the time. I was one of the few guys that could you know, like hold a tune or, you know, like mm. read music. So, I, so that's did why. Did you I or did you not have braces when you played the role? No braces. I never had braces. Okay, brag. I didn't choose it. It's, I didn't do anything to not have braces. Sure, sure, sure. Um, um, so, so you found your way through music, it sounds like. So is that always a big part of your family too? It sounds like your dad yeah. was also into music as well. Yeah, every year, every summer, Every summer we went, there was, there's a big international convention for the, for the Barbershop Harmony Society, as it's called. There's, you know, 20 plus thousand members of the society across the world, probably even more than that, I'm probably understating it. But every year over the 4th of July week, there is a huge competition and convention somewhere in the United States usually. And there's anywhere from five to 10,000 attendants. And so we would go and watch my dad's quartet would, you know, he still competes, he still does it, but he would be there every year. And so every year it'd be a big family trip to go do that. It was yeah. awesome. So that was a huge, and still is, the barbershop world is still a huge part of my life. Is anyone else in your family musical as well, your siblings? Um, my mom sings in the church choir with my dad and she can totally hold a tune. Uh, and then my sisters both did choir, I think, but that's it. And then my, my younger brother, who's 14, he's going into high school. He wants to do band. So like, what does he, he play? Uh, percussion. Oh, so very I cool. Think he's just, yeah. So your brother is I, 14. I know. I know wow. I've known you since I think before he was born or like right when he was born. Oh my God. That is great. I feel like I just grew a, like a, huge white beard when you said yeah, that yeah. jesus he high school next this fall this fall he starts high school 
He's going to be driving soon. That's terrifying. He's driving. He got in, he got in the I car. I got to go. Put me out. He got out. in a car accident. <laughs> no. He got in a car accident. <laughs> oh, he, he was baby. driving. He was driving for like his fourth time with my mom in the car and hesitated. And it wasn't like a, everyone's fine. No one's hurt. Sure. But he got in like a little fender bender. <laughs> his third time driving. Explain that to the insurance. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, when I learned to drive, it was probably very different because I didn't grow up in the burbs. It was like more country road styles. So I could swerve all the fuck over the road. The only, was, the only <laughs> thing you were hitting were cows. Yeah, exactly. And that, that, those are expensive. So, so if yes. your brother ever wants to practice driving in, a, in less uh, populated environments, tell him to come I'll on out to him. Gardner. Yeah. I'll bring him to Gardner. Um, yeah. So when did you decide to like, uh, start studying theater? When did you decide it was something you wanted to like? keep doing or maybe even do like at a professional level yeah i would say there are two probably two two or three big turning points so i did the did the musical that year in high school the next year i ended up i did soccer that next year and the musical as well but some of the upperclassmen in my high school sort of took me under their wing and were like you know wanted me to keep doing theater and do all of the theater type stuff and they said, you should come audition for theater in the park, which I had never, I'd never even seen a show, I don't think, out there. I had like, mm. heard of it, and I was like, oh, gosh, I, I wouldn't even know like what to do. So I did that my sophomore year and showed up, and they happened to be doing High School Musical. And again, right, it's like there are very, there are few guys who could both dribble a basketball and sing. And so that's... Not me. You know, I like, could not do I, that. <laughs> I, happened in, I happened into that role as well, just by nature of like my upbringing, honestly. So... That was huge because after doing that, I like felt what it really felt like to be a part of like that theater community and meeting really like very different types of people and a real director and all of that was pivotal pivotal for me. I was like, this, this is so awesome and so thrilling and yeah. so exciting to get to like really explore it. Doing a show in high school is just a different sort of thing because you're with your peers, but doing it with other people sort of opened my eyes to what theater could be. And I met Kaylee Jamison there, uh, and she did MTYP, as it's now called MTKC, and said, you should come do MTYP shows. And so I did later that fall, I did White Christmas was my first MTYP show. And MTYP really is what like sort of led me into my love of theater, pursuing theater. Yeah. Through them, I had an opportunity to go to New York City for the first time in my life with Broadway Artists Alliance and do a camp here where I got to meet with like Broadway casting agents and stuff like that and sort of just see what that scene was like. And so it really was through them that I said, you know, I think this might be something I might want to do in college, but still on the side. I never, yeah. I never thought I was good enough to do it as a career just do you feel like that was because like the program that sort of shuttled or funneled kids from kc to new york and like facilitated like theater workshops and, and meetings with those people do you feel like that helped like concrete your idea of like what the job entailed or like what a professional mm -hmm. life could be in the arts a bit a bit yeah they they definitely tried to be realistic in telling us what it was like one of my one of my family friends jeff grady who's married to uh nikki renee if you know nikki renee daniels she's done uh porgy and bess and a number of other broadway shows yes yes, yes. gentleman's guide and lame is and other ones he's a good family friend and when i came to new york that first time he was the one that told me he said if you can do anything other than theater you should do it 
which was funny. So he was really the first person that said, look, obviously the theater is awesome, but you know, he explained how it is a tough life if, yeah. if that's what you want to pursue fully as your only career. So he said, if you are good at anything else or if you can do anything else, you should, which is one of the reasons sort of that I said, okay, I want to have a backup or something else. I knew I was always interested in the business world too. So that's why I chose to have a second degree as sort of a backup, if you will. Yeah. And when, where did you go to college? I went to TCU. Uh, one of the reasons I went there, I knew through, I learned through MTKC that they had a decent theater program. And so when I went and visited, they were going to let me do both theater and accounting. So I was able to, to double major in theater and accounting while I was there. Are you like the only person in history that has done that? Like, <laughs> No, I thought, but there is, there was one other person that came after me, someone who came from my high school, actually, that started in theater and accounting. I actually don't think they finished both, but um i've met one or two other people that have done it and i highly recommend it if you're into uh if you're into like the business i, I don't for me i don't <laughs> i mean it's a lot of work it's a lot yeah. of work uh but i will say one of the things that i've learned just in general not just from school is it is true that if you have a passion for anything else you shouldn't do it instead of theater but you should do it alongside theater uh, I think what obviously a lot of theater artists we're all learning right now is we've always known that work uh, is never guaranteed. There's always going to be periods of unemployment, even for the biggest stars in the business. Mm -hmm. There's always periods where you're unemployed. You don't have work. And there's even, again, even for the biggest stars, periods of I don't know what's next or when next is. And this whole thing obviously is that to the extreme. But if you have other passions and other interests, it only makes sense to start pursuing those things early on, as early as possible, honestly. When you're in college, you don't have to double major in accounting, right? But you know, if you have an interest in fitness, yoga, dance, voice, whatever it may be, things that can be more tangential theater than, than accounting is, pursue those. Start your own side businesses, your side hustles, so that you know, you're not having to do something as a source of income that you hate and despise. So yeah. that is definitely the biggest piece. You know, I've, I've gone back and spoke at TCU a couple of times. And that's the thing that I always say is if you love theater, do theater. But if you love anything else, also pursue that because right. you'll need it and you can use it. Yeah. Well, I think it's also important to like sort of clarify and quantify what you're getting from the art. Right. So if you're doing theater as like, a, I love this, I love the community, I like to make art. Or are you doing it for like actually a source of income? Because theater and performing is also something you don't really need a degree for. You know, you can sure. find it and be involved on any level yeah. without any of that, you know. Um, Absolutely. And the same can't really be said for other things that are sort of necessary for you to like survive and make money. So uh, have you read Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert? No. She, so she's the writer of Eat, Pray, Love. And okay, she yeah. talks about how for so long she was just like writing and writing and writing and waiting tables and like all these different jobs that she um, was doing to support herself. And she said, you know, I made a vow to myself that all I wanted to do was write. And I had to decide for myself that I wanted to support myself however I needed to. But as long as I could write and make time to write, that's all that mattered. I didn't want to be famous. I didn't want to win, whatever. I just prom promised myself that I would write for an hour every day. And if you love it 
that hard that you would be content waiting tables until you were 95 years old? She's like, then you have to accept that. But if you're not, then you need to open yourself up to other possibilities. And I think that's just great advice for young folks too, you know? Yes. It's a great way to put it. Also focusing on, you know, what is it that you want, whether it's the love of it or whether you're doing it for the accomplishments, right? I, I meet and know a lot of people. And obviously like when you're in high school, you think of like the pinnacle of theater as being on Broadway. But, you know, as I'm sure you can attest to, too, it's like being on Broadway, the only like real difference between on Broadway and off Broadway or tours or regional theaters, community theaters, a reading in your bedroom (laughs) is just how much money is put behind it. That's really the only difference, right? The talent can be the same the whole way, right? You can have much more talented people in a bedroom than on Broadway and vice versa. The only difference is the theater that you're in and the money that's put behind it. And so, you know, some people have to learn that and figure that out for themselves. And if they still want to do that and that's the goal, that's wonderful. But I think, you know, there's a lot of clarifying that can be done too to make sure that people, especially if you're in school, studying theater to know that being, you have to define for yourself what success in theater is. Is Yes, totally. Create it, do it you know, like you said, writing an hour a day is, you know, doing, doing or making or producing one show a year, define what that is for yourself so Mm -hmm. that you sort of know where you're headed and why you're headed in that direction. And also doing that gives yourself, I wish someone would have told me this in my undergrad, but doing that gives yourself so much more power and agency over your career and and thus your life, you know, Because so many folks, especially in this industry, whether you're an actor or a writer or producer or director, whatever, so much of our time, it seems like, is caught in this loop of just essentially trying to be accepted and giving, waiting for someone to give you a job, you know? But if you have that agency over yourself to say, I know what I'm getting out of this and I know what I'm searching for and I can satisfy that by making my own work or by being involved in this or whatever you can like alleviate some of that stress from this traditional trajectory of trying to climb the entertainment ladder. Totally. And there's, and climbing that ladder is, there's no problem with it, but I do think that there's probably more people than not that get like stuck, if you will, in that loop and then become unhappy. So I do think yeah, knowing or being able to empower i think to be honest i think a lot of it starts in in the theater programs right like coming out of a theater program and you did as well you're sort of like geared and trained to be able to succeed in that like business world of theater because you know that's they're of course trying to set you up for success but i think they miss a lot of times saying make sure you though do what's like ultimately makes you happy because ultimately theater is an art and while in new york it's very commercialized and businessy you have to be able to like have happiness in your art and not just make money. Yeah. And I, I also wish that theater training programs did a better job of recognizing other communities of art besides like the main art hubs where it is commercialized, you know? Yep. So doing a better job to explain to students that there are huge markets of theater and other entertainment, you know, industry levels as well, besides Chicago or LA or New York, where you can work year round um, 
in totally. productions that on a professional level that give you health insurance that pay you a decent rate in places where it's actually probably cheaper to live, you know? And, and maybe what, easier to get work. Exactly. And when I had that, like, honestly, I probably just realized that like maybe three years ago, but I, I just wish that we would sort of instill that in our young artists and make it less competition based and more community based, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's a great way to put it. The DFW theater market, when I was down there, I did, you know, maybe 15 shows or something at, at various professional theaters across the Metroplex. It's obviously a huge city, mm -hmm. but you know, it's not New York or Chicago or LA, but there is a ton of equity houses there ranging in size from very small to, you know, you know, well-known on a national scale and doing shows there was awesome, right? Because you could, because there are so many theaters and so many community theaters as well, there's so much opportunity for great work. And there are theaters doing the big, you know, commercial hits. And then there are theaters doing, you know, shows written by local playwrights. And so you have a full range of, you know, opportunities there, which I loved. So I, I love that. That community was great and one that you know, as, as we are working on, on bringing more theater to the Kansas City area, right. that's one where I'm sort of pulling some like inspiration from because that also the community of actors was so wonderful. And uh, it agreed. I agree fully with everything you're saying. Yeah. Um, so after you graduated and moved to New York, what, what was your life like after that? And when did you sort of encounter some some success? Yeah, so I moved, I had a job, I had a job with a big accounting firm uh, called Ernst & Young, called EY now, um, and I worked there for about seven weeks. So I got a lease on an apartment in New York, I arrived <laughs> like a month before I started work, got a lease, started work, I worked there for about six weeks, and then uh, on like the third or fourth week actually of working there, uh, I got uh, an offer for the National Tour of Fun Home, the 2015 Tony Award winning musical, uh, to be on the national tour. And uh, to be honest, it's weird, right? Because, you know, if you're an actor and you get that opportunity, you say, yes, it's not even really like a question. It's more yeah. of, it's more of a thank this you. Is, this is what you're going to do now. <laughs> yeah. It's like, this is what you're going to do. Uh, and for me, it, it was, I felt so like, I felt bad, but I didn't know. I didn't know if that was what I wanted to do, mostly because I had just gone to school for five years. I got my master's degree in accounting. I was studying for the CPA exam, all this stuff, right? Mm -hmm. I'm working at this very, very, very stable company firm that if I wanted to, I could just like work there the rest of my life. Um, so I was like, do I leave this place? I've been here less than a month. I'm still like, <laughs> I'm still training to even learn how to do the job. Yeah. Uh, and after talking to a lot of people, I mean, and even people at the company, it was very clear that that's what I was supposed to do. So I left and did that for 16 months and it was the best experience of my life. It was, it was amazing. It was amazing. Got to go to 32 different cities. And uh, I was also, I was understudying uh, the role that's a, if, if you don't know the show, there are nine characters that are on stage. And so I was understudying one of the guys who played, you know, a multitude of characters, understudying. And then I was also the dance captain and both were first for me. Uh, I am not contrary to what I tell most people. I'm not a dancer first. Uh, and so you do usually lead with that. I'm sure I usually lead with, with dancer first, but I'm, <laughs> I'm not. Um, and so that would both were new experiences and both were, amazing wouldn't trade them for the world understudying was awesome and amazing and made me appreciate being on stage that much more yeah uh and it also opened my eyes to what 
again, obviously it wasn't Broadway, but to what that sort of schedule is like, where your job is to be at the theater at seven or seven thirty every night, eight times a week, and that's like that's your job. So mm -hmm. filling that time during the day, and as well as then how do you get up for those shows every night and make it something fresh and something new and also in different audiences across the country was, was a lot, right? There was a lot of positive, I wouldn't say negative, right? But it was just a very big learning curve and learning experience to get to see what that, what that's like. Yeah. What was your favorite city that you got to play? Uh, it was probably Seattle or San Francisco in mm. terms of the city was Seattle when we were there in the summer for three weeks it was it didn't rain a single time so i got to experience like the best version of seattle yeah seattle's super cool uh that was my favorite city to, to just be in and then san francisco was the best city to play uh i think because it was like you it was like we were at like a rock musical or something like that mm. show is not overly funny yeah <laughs> i would describe it, it as depressing <laughs> you you would describe it as yes yeah, it's it, it's uplifting at the end but like the type of uplifting where you wipe like walk out like wiping your tears and you're like oh oh i'm uplifted but i'm also yeah. like oh it's just very real it's it's very it's like part of this new like wave of musical theater yeah. that is very like real deals with real problems and isn't very raw. like showy yeah. and kick lines and stuff you know right but in san francisco every you know like every five minutes the the audience would just like be in uproar of either laughter or applause or whatever i think it's because obviously that city is you know incredibly progressive and was just like I think hungry and yearning for some like a show like that to be yeah. playing in their city. Uh, obviously, there's a lot of shows like Fun Home that are in New York. I mean, nothing's just like Fun Home. I think it's crown jewel of a show. But you know, in San Francisco, they don't get to see as much of that. I think, and so to have that playing at one of their massive theaters, it was like a yeah, some sort of celebration. Or it was it was wild. It was so cool though. It was so cool. Opening night was. Crazy. That's fantastic. Um, yeah. and, and where do you find yourself out now in your career and journey, like juggling, you know, holding these two different careers or interests? Yeah, that's great. So after I came back, I started my own accounting firm. And so I do, I still, and I still do, uh, act, do your taxes. Actors, yeah. Actors, theater professionals, taxers. So so anyone out there, if you are looking for someone that is a performer also that you know, needs to do your taxes, hit me up. Yeah, uh, especially good if you're on tour and you're making money in several different states. My partner did that and I, I was like, I can't even look at all these forms that you have to do. So yep. quick yeah. plug. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, yeah, most of, most of my clients are, are people on tour, so absolutely. Um, so I do that and then the year after I came back, I did four different regional gigs, just sort of around and was auditioning, bopping around. Uh, and then I got my foot in the door through the accounting scene at this small sort of like startup type company. It's an investment bank, but it was a very young company, so a lot of flexibility. And so I started working there and it led to a full-time position there. And I, and that's where I still am. It has, you know, good opportunities for the future. And um, to be honest too, so I started, when I got back from tour, I started singing in a barbershop quartet. I found these three other guys they're all one's a professional actor. The other two are professional musicians, incredible voices, incredible musicians. And I, my artistic itch is very much scratched with them, if you will. Like I, 
Well, y'all did uh, a gig for Facebook, right? Yeah. Yes, we've been doing a lot of great stuff this year during in the, during COVID. We had to do all these quarantine rules and everything, but we filmed yeah. a big campaign for Facebook, encouraging people to get out and vote. And so that so was a cool. huge gig, right? We were working with their producing team, and they had to get signed off on by Mark Zuckerberg, and we filmed at the Warehouse of Brooklyn and all this big thing. And so we're doing, you know, stuff like that. We had we had shows all over last year, but this year, and we'll see again. But eventually, we have shows in England, in Sweden, in Ireland, and then across the U.S. Um, we competed at you know the international that international competition. We we came in fifth, and so we're sort of moving our way up the ranks there. So all of that we made we've made two CDs so far. We make music videos all the time. Yeah, uh, and it's much more than just like what people think of as barber shop. Uh, our name is Midtown, so if you want to go look up Midtown Quartet on YouTube and things like that, we do a lot of stuff that keeps me very engaged and fulfilled. And um, it's so yeah, interesting that that like first thing that sort of brought you into the arts is still like a big column into your whole identity and like you know well-being and honestly like health as a person. You know, it is. It is because that's the. Th- thing i've had a couple other small theater opportunities that have come up while working at this current job that i've turned down mostly because um i i married now right i got married last year and you know having a family and supporting someone else besides just myself like my my priorities have shifted greatly it's no Mm -hmm. longer just about me and so doing a show because it will help fulfill me artistically is not the most important thing. So I find other avenues like the quartet and other things that are just as meaningful and I can do as well as keeping my job and benefits and things like that. So right. that's fantastic. Yeah. Well, I can't believe it's already been 30 minutes. This is crazy. Um, what do you have coming up or where can we check out, you know, anything that you're working on with the quartet or you personally um, and where can we find you? Yeah. Um, so I'm on, I'm on all the social media stuff. I'm not very active. I wish I was more active. I should be more active, but I'm no, just like, don't oh, make that one of your resolutions. You, you're doing yeah, fine. No. Um, and then, but on YouTube. So if you go really the quartet, you can follow us. We're coming out with new videos all the time. Uh, we're about to post a couple of new things here pretty soon at the end of the month. So Midtown Quartet, we're on Instagram, we're on Facebook, we're on YouTube, and we actually are very active. That's probably the place I'm the most active on social media is nice through them so if you check those things out that's uh that's where you can find me and we have some good stuff coming up we have a lot of shows actually coming up this year as well so cool well we can't wait to check it out um well thank you so much for taking some time to chat with us today dude we'll talk soon okay cool thanks guys (laughs) 